CME and DB1 disappoint, while the rest of the parish is demonstrating sound, if not outright excellent results. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. Financial transaction tax worries are back over in the EU in the wake of the recent collapse in the case against Ireland and Apple. That's a case predicated on Ireland levying a rate of tax which Apple paid but which the EU deemed unfairly low. That festering 30-year battle at the heart of the European Union between the bankrupt and increasingly socialist Franco-German alliance at the heart of the EU's apparatus led to the Apple case which, when lost, probably killed the concept of a digital tax. At the same time, that has led to the notion of a financial transaction tax, already deeply divisive in the EU and being discussed for years on end now with no definitive agreement whatsoever. That FTT proposal re-emerging as one of many possible means to plug the many holes in the budgets of the EU's high-spending regimes, aided and abetted by the spendthrift Brussels machine itself. Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, things don't look much better, at least on the eastern seaboard. New York and New Jersey are considering financial transaction taxes. New Jersey's A4402 would impose a 0.25 cent tax on every financial transaction processed in the state. In New York, some lawmakers have proposed a rate as high as 5 cents per share. That's 1.25 cents, on the other hand, for stocks worth less than $5. If either state succeeded, it would represent the only financial transaction tax in the United States of America, although New York had its own FTT from 1905 to 1981. There is no federal level FTT in the USA, although fees are imposed to fund the regulatory activities of the Securities Exchange Commission on cash equities. I presume exchanges are going to be pouring over data centre capacity and choose suitably tax-coherent state regimes. It's another nail in the coffin, methinks, of New York City, whose tri-state area is already deeply unattractive to higher taxpayers who've been moving either west to lower tax states or indeed south to Florida. Over in Europe, the notion of an EU FTT might even be a motivating factor for the UK to move towards more free trade and an abolition of stamp duty, albeit with the current parlous state of British government finances, who knows? However, in a more encouraging regulatory note in the past week, finally, we have confirmation of a sensible rollback from the ridiculous era of Genslerian overreach as the CFTC has voted to scale back oversight of cross-border swaps trading. Meanwhile, Stacey Cunningham, the NYSE president, was being interviewed by CNBC this week. She noted that individual investors have been a, and I quote, big part of the market over the last few months. Nowhere has that been more obvious outside of the USA, though, than China, which, despite not having a Robin Hood or other movement, in the course of the first six months of this year, China added a total of 1.55 million investors seeking to trade stocks on the Shanghai and Shenzhen bourses. That's up 46.72% year-on-year in terms of total number of account openings. Of course, NICE President Stacey Cunningham's comments come after e-brokers, TD Ameritrade and Interactive Brokers, amongst others, reported record trading volumes from retail during the second quarter. New exchange opening, well, it's an old exchange, reintegrated and rejuvenated. 
The Osaka SE, which has been long the home of most derivatives in Japan, they finally integrated as part of the JPX group the businesses of Tocom, which itself also integrated the Tokyo Grain Exchange a number of years ago, in order to create the nation's first comprehensive futures trading service. Elsewhere, SIBO, they're proposing a plan with periodic auctions that could potentially curb the advantages of fast traders in the US and European stock markets. Meanwhile, over in Zimbabwe, we still don't have a functioning stock market, but news is that in the near future, perhaps as soon as the week after next, as I'm recording this, we might see the Zimbabwe bourse being reopened, albeit it will remain without Old Mutual, because Old Mutual have been encouraged to move their listing to the newly founded Victoria Falls Stock Exchange, which, as you may recall, is going to be operating in foreign currency. And that brings us to results. The CME, well, they actually managed to beat by a penny the analysts' estimates, but nonetheless, it was a disappointing set of results. The problem in Q2 seems to have stemmed from, well, perhaps it's a systemic problem with management dating back many, many years. Equally, it has to be said, analysts had been generally downgrading the stock for quite some time, so therefore the penny beat didn't look as spectacular as it might have done. And nonetheless, actually, revenues looked very, very weak year on year. Equally, Deutsche Börse's second quarter net profit dropped 4% with 2020 guidance remaining unchanged. All the same, that seemed quite spectacularly to run against the overall prevailing trend of the exchange industry. Euronext published double-digit growth in Q2 profits. IEX, the Indian Energy Exchange, despite lockdown, was even able to eke out a 6.34% profit rise. The Spanish exchange similarly had pretty healthy numbers as they prepare to be integrated within the Swiss exchange group. And then indeed, we had the spectacular numbers from the likes of the Dubai financial market. They reported 21% growth in first half profits. And indeed, most spectacular results of all, the Malaysian stock exchange, Bursa Malaysia, their after-tax and minority interest numbers increased by 62%. That's even astounding compared to the Multi-Commodity Exchange of India, up 29%. Healthy growth from the Japan Exchange Group. And indeed, on the IDB front, Company Financière Tradition, whose first half of 2020 results give adjusted revenue up 12.5%. Overall, a parish which is blooming, albeit with a couple of concerns about two of the top six properties, CME and Deutsche Börse. And of course, just as we were recording this podcast, news came in that once again, the Intercontinental Exchange have done us proud, a healthy double-digit growth in profits for the second quarter of 2020, looking ahead to a very exciting and interesting, albeit COVID-risky, second half of 2020. In deals, not much to report this week. Two issues. The Moscow Exchange, they confirmed they've taken a 17% stake in the EFX trading business. Beerbaum Pro, which has quite a footprint in and around Russia. Equally, Italy. Interesting remarks there. They're making some comments by Treasury officials. They seem to remain very, very concerned about the state of Borsa Italiana's ownership under the London Stock Exchange, dependent upon the Refinitiv deal. Not really sure why that Refinitiv deal has such an impact, unless, of course, the Italians are planning something else that we're not quite seeing in the public domain. New markets, nothing new as such, but FMDQ, they restated their commitment to the development of the Nigerian derivatives market. 
The real estate stock exchange in Iran, they announced that they expect to be set up in the next four to six months. We covered the announcement of their launch just a few weeks back. And indeed, last week, we mentioned the whole idea of the first African-American-owned stock exchange in U.S. history. And there were a lot of interviews this week as the former lawyer in Chicago who was behind Dream Exchange was making the most of an opportunity to get a great deal of publicity for this minority-driven stock market itself. If you're looking for some reading, whether you're in lockdown, whether you're in quarantine after your holidays, before your holidays, during your holidays, perhaps you're not even in quarantine at all and you're actually safely allowed to walk the streets of wherever you're living, remember, we know COVID-19 is a killer, but can it kill your career? Or is that the impact of fintech destroying your business? It's a victory or death world of risk and opportunity. To understand how that technology is affecting life and markets, there's my latest book to help you. 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller, Capital Market Revolution, it's time to look at some of those loose strands hanging around which need a spot of perspective, whether you're an exchange parishioner, a fintech professional, or anybody just trying to stay abreast of where technology is now driving investments and finance. Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency, and the Fintech World is an easy read explaining the differing and diverging roles of banks and exchanges so that you can understand the winning business models of the new world order and be on the victory side of the ledger. That's why we're placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency means for markets. It's a binary world. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of the digital financial development of our planet. Hence the title, Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our new live stream, Tuesdays. 6pm London, 1pm New York time. It's the IPO video live show coming to you over LinkedIn and YouTube. Catch the back episodes on either of those social networks, LinkedIn or YouTube. You can search via IPO-vid. This week, we had our first guest, Christopher Messina, who talked about everything from AI fintech to the world of nickel mining. Fascinating discussion. We look forward to seeing you soon for one of our live streams and check out the past archive online. In Cryptoland, five years after launch, predictions market Augur. They have released version two of their platform. The Cardano Foundation have announced a partnership with the Swiss Likey Corp. And meanwhile, Binance entered the German market via partnership with a crypto investment firm, which appears to suggest that they might have a regulatory status there. And Binance Australia, that apparently is being run by the founders of Travel by Bit, a travel payment using crypto website. Will that be a case of how is this regulated in the near future? Who knows? In product news this week, the CME Group, they confirmed they're launching the Eris Sofer swap futures on October the 5th. Meanwhile, in DACA, we had some quite exciting news as there they drew the first ever virtual IPO lottery. In other words, the allotment of the initial public offering for Express Insurance Limited was carried out via a digital platform, the first time it had been done in the country's stock market. Moreover, the lottery was drawn virtually due to, yes, you guessed it, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Finally, FICAS and Six Swiss Exchange, they are pioneering the world's first actively managed cryptocurrency, ETP. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week, CC&G, they've signed a deal with Bucharest Clearing House. 
The Bucharest Exchange, BVB, is gradually getting its CCP project lined up to relaunch the derivatives market Romania lost when BVB was Cybex and essentially closed all down a few years ago. Now they're going to be using a partnership with the Italian clearinghouse in order to deliver their new functionality for futures markets. Elsewhere, Israel's stock exchange, the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, they've launched a blockchain platform for securities lending. That's going to be going live apparently in November. Regulation news this week. Well, of course, we can't go too far away from the regulation stories without tripping over Wirecard. The Wirecard scandal has brought an overhaul of EU fintech rules into sharper focus, with various of the grandees in Brussels making the appropriate noises for more and more arduous regulation. This is odd, of course, because Wirecard is a vast audit failure, that very, very traditional business, as opposed to the new, new world of fintech. Really, we need to be addressing the future of that practice, auditing, in a much more coherent way, which, by the way, you can see discussed in my book Victory or Death, amongst other places. The last thing we need is more regulation for the sake of it, or indeed for the sake of a soundbite for Brussels politicians. But of course, that's always dangerous because the EU speciality is in the world of the being seen to do something concept of politics as practiced in Brussels. Finally, in regulation news this week, the European Union's a European banking authority has told UK banks to get ready for a full Brexit. Very interesting story, particularly so because Reuters' Hugh Jones highlights Britain has yet to say if banks in London will have to hold more capital against Eurozone debt after the transition ends. Therein, ladies and gentlemen, lies a potential nuclear weapon in the UK's armoury, depending on how the European Union wishes to behave over market access going forward. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. People News this week. The Indian government has begun the search for a new SEBI chairman to replace AJ Tiagi. Meanwhile, the industry, particularly the vending industry and exchange-traded derivatives, is mourning the loss of the electronic trading pioneer Philippe Buhanik. Very, very sad news. The founder of Trading Screen, Philippe, died after a long battle with ALS, or motor neuron disease as it's sometimes called. Indeed, motor neuron disease has had a tragic impact on the parish. And indeed, veteran publisher in the parish, David Setters, has been relentlessly raising funds for the cause, even as he himself suffers from motor neuron disease. And that brings us rapidly on to our end papers this week. Two exciting stories. One, a fabulous piece of good news. One of the biggest worries we have is the number of GCMs, general clearing members, and particularly general clearing members with a substantial global remit. Excellent news, Marex Spectron, the broker, they're expanding their global clearing business. Any broker expanding its CCP business is great news for the parish, as this remains a potential pain point for expansion. And finally this week, news of the Fast Company Innovation Festival. An interesting online event where one factor struck me immediately about the speakers. Headliners are going to include Robert Downey Jr., Susan Downey, Adina Friedman, Hans Vesberg and Lena Waith. Well, unlike Robert Downey Jr., the one thing I can say is that Adina Friedman 
The boss of Nasdaq doesn't need an Iron Man suit to perform superhero investment feats like processing 60 billion messages per day. Ladies and gentlemen, on that mysterious and magnificent note, my name is Patrick L. Young. I wish you a great week in life and markets. Thank you for listening to episode 56 of the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.